Hello and welcome to Macpreneur, the show that helps entrepreneurs from all around the world run their business on Apple Gear. My name is Damien Schreurs and here we go for today's episode. So in today's show, you'll learn how to safely perform a major operating system update on your iPhone, iPad, and Mac. For that, I've laid out a step-by-step process that will help you minimize the risk of losing data or precious time. But before diving in, I just wanted to thank you for listening to the show. I truly appreciate you fitting the MacPerner podcast in your busy life. If it's your first time, welcome to the MacPerner tribe. You're joining listeners located all around the world. And if you're listening for a while now, I'm super grateful that you're sticking with me. Either way, my goal is to help you operate your Apple devices faster and be more productive even between episodes. This is why I've prepared 30 tips for your iPhone and Mac. To sign up for this free email course, just visit macpreneur.com forward slash tips. So now let's dive into today's topic. At the time of recording, the iPhone and the iPad are now on iOS 13.1.2 and macOS 10.15 Catalina just got released for the Mac. If you're not sure whether or not you should update your Apple gear to the latest and greatest version of the operating system, I invite you to pause this episode right now and listen to episode 45. Uh, Spoiler alert, if your iPhone or iPad is compatible at one point, you'll need to pull the trigger, while on the Mac side, you don't necessarily need to update it. And and even if you do, you're not obliged to install the the latest and greatest. Now, talking specifically about macOS Catalina, because it is bringing so much architectural changes and, and it's breaking compatibility with all the apps, it's more important than ever to proceed with caution. Whether you're listening to this episode in 2019, 2020, or even 2021. Now, whether you need to upgrade or you decided to upgrade, this episode will guide you step by step on how to perform it. And first, I'll talk about the iPhone and iPad, and then I'll cover the Mac. So let's start with the iPhone and the iPad. The the process has six steps. First, you'll make at least one backup, preferably two. Then you will gather the PIN code of your SIM card and also important passwords. You will decide the upgrade method. You will start the upgrade. You will set up your device. And then optionally, if you have an Apple Watch, you will be able to upgrade your Apple Watch as well. So step number one is to make at least one backup. And here you have two options, either through iCloud or via a computer. Uh, Nowadays, iCloud storage is very affordable. So for $3 per month, you can get 200 gigabyte, which is enough if you have a 128 gigabyte device and I would say a medium-sized photo library. If you have a device with more capacity and if it's full, then I would say you could bump your iCloud storage capacity to 2 terabytes for a month or two, just for that period, it will cost you 10 to 20 bucks total. But then when you don't need the backup anymore, because you see that everything is is going fine, then you will be able to delete the backup from iCloud 
and downgrade your storage back to 200 gigabytes or 50 uh, gigabytes. The, the second option, and, and yes, I still recommend to do both, is to perform a locally encrypted backup to a computer. It can be a Mac, but it can also be a Windows PC. In any case, with enough free storage to accommodate the content of your iOS device. Now, on a Windows PC or a Mac running Mojave and earlier, it will be done via iTunes. Whereas if your Mac is running at least 10.15 Catalina, then it will be done via the Finder. In any case, you'll need to connect the device to the computer via a USB cable. And if it's the very first time you do that, you will need to manually trust it by uh, tapping on trust, then entering your device passcode. In iTunes, you will need to click on the device icon in the top left corner. And in Finder, you, you will need to click on the device name in the sidebar on the left. Then you have to make sure that the option to encrypt the local backup is ticked uh, because then you will be able to really do a complete backup of your device. If it's not so you tick it, then you will need to provide a password twice that you will need to remember and to store or to store in a password manager so that uh, later on you will need that password to restore the backup if you need to. Okay, so no, now you initiate the backup, you have to wait for the backup to complete. And depending on the amount of data that you have on your iOS device, it can take a while. Now, it's not yet finished with the backup, because what we want to do next is to archive it so that it cannot be overwritten later on. So for that, if you use a finder, you will click on, on a button that says manage backups. And if you're using iTunes for the backup, you will access its uh, preference pane using the control comma shortcut. Then you will click on the devices tab. And then in both cases, then in, in finder or iTunes, you will right click on the last backup that you just performed for that device. It will give the name, it will show you the name of the device. So you right click and then you choose the option archive. And then uh, to the right of the name of the device, you will see the date and time at which the, the uh, backup was archived. Okay, so now we have at least one backup, preferably two. So you have iCloud and the local locally encrypted backup. So the next step for an iPhone or an iPad with a cellular plan is to gather the PIN code of your SIM card. Because to make the upgrade, the device will need to reboot. And so after the reboot, you will need to supply the PIN code if you want to be able to use the SIM card. Um, now it's also a good time to retrieve what is called the PUC code, P-U-K, because if you ever forget your PIN code, it's the PUC code that will give you the option to set a new PIN without needing to, to talk to your cellular plan provider. Um, credentials gathering continues with the iCloud password and the passwords of uh, 
important email accounts or web services because you never know if you will need to re-authenticate yourself after the upgrade or not. Now, if you don't use a third-party password manager, the first place to look into is uh, settings, then uh, passwords and accounts, then website and app passwords. This normally you will find a lot of uh, a lot of passwords there. Okay, step number three is to decide the method for the upgrade. And you basically have two options. Either you will do it over the air by downloading it directly onto your iOS devices uh, via Wi-Fi, or you do it plugged into the computer using iTunes or Finder. Now, in the past, before app offloading was really a thing, um, using a computer was really needed when there was not enough free storage on the device because you couldn't even download the, the update. Nowadays, it's, it's less problematic. So unless, I would say, your device has only 16 gigabytes of internal storage. Now, one advantage of doing it over the air is that it requires less uh, data to download. So we're talking about 2.2 gigabytes if you do it over the air. But if you do it via a computer, because it needs to uh, download the complete update, not the Delta update if you want, then if you do it via a computer, it's almost 4 gigabytes that you need to download. So if you have a low uh, monthly bandwidth cap with your ISP, and also provided that you have enough uh, available internal space on your computer, it's better to do the update of the iPhone or the iPad over the air. Otherwise, use the, the computer for the update. So it's the same thing as with uh, the backup. So you'll use iTunes if you have a Windows PC or a Mac running Mojave and earlier, and you will use Finder if you use Catalina or later. Okay, step number four is to start the, the upgrade, which will take between, I would say, half an hour and an hour, depending on, on uh, your device. And so it's best to do that, I would say, in the evening or during the weekend. The step number five is to finish the update. So remember, the, the device will reboot. So the first one of the first thing to do will be to enter the PIN code of the SIM card so that you can start calling and receiving uh, SMS and, and so on. And then you will need to set up various uh, parameters like uh, if you want Siri, if you want dark mode. And also when you will use, uh, when you will launch uh, some apps for the very first time, you will see uh, what is new and improved and in some cases you will be asked actually to, um, to provide credentials. And in other cases, you will be asked whether or not you want to upgrade the database. So with iOS 13, it is the reminders database that will prompt you that. And it's very, very important to understand that if you upgrade the reminders database, you can't go back. Okay, there is no way to... Uh, downgrade the database and um, how to decide basically if you want to continue uh, synchronizing your reminders with devices that are stuck 
at iOS 12 or macOS Mojave, then you should say no to the upgrade. You will be able to use reminders on your iOS 13 device, but you will not have all the latest and greatest features, but at least you can continue synchronizing them with other devices. Actually, Apple will show you a list of devices that have not been upgraded yet. So if you see their mission critical ones, do not uh, upgrade the reminders database. Um, some people reported that after upgrading the reminders database, all their reminders disappeared and they only reappeared half a day, sometimes to a day later. So they were really panicking because they were like, oh, I've lost all my reminders. But no, this was apparently part of the upgrade process and they, they came back. But uh, not synchronizing anymore with all the devices. And so again, if you decide to upgrade the Reminders database, do so when you, do, when you know that you don't absolutely need it. And also keep in mind that this applies in a family sharing environment too. So it's not necessarily that all your devices need to be uh, upgraded to the latest version. So we're talking about iOS 13 or macOS Catalina, but also family members need to have devices that uh, are compatible. Uh, so if you, with, in, with family sharing, there is a shared reminders list. This one may, uh, may not synchronize anymore with the devices that are stuck at a um, previous version of iOS or macOS if you upgrade it on your main device. Okay. Last step now, uh, it's optional. It's only if you have an Apple Watch Series 1 or above. So once your iPhone is running iOS 13, you will then be able to update your Apple Watch to WatchOS 6. And here's the standard process again. So you put your Apple Watch on its charger, you wait until at least it's 50% charged. Then you connect your iPhone to Wi-Fi, you put it in close proximity of your Apple Watch, and then you open the Apple Watch app on your iPhone, you tap the My Watch tab, then you tap on General Software Update, and you will be able to then update your Apple Watch to WatchOS 6. Oh, I, I've compiled all this process actually in a neat PDF and uh, you will be able to find the link in the show notes available at uh, macpreneur.com forward slash episode 46. So if you're in your car or if you're at the gym right now, um, make a mental uh, post-it note to check the show notes later on today or, or tomorrow. Okay, so now let's talk about safely updating your Mac. As explained in episode 45, my recommendation is really to stay at least one version behind the latest one for all the mission-critical machines. The, the main reason is that Apple provides security updates for the last three versions of macOS, so there's absolutely no rush to upgrade to the latest and greatest. 
it's not like for the iPhone and the iPad where a compatible device absolutely needs to be updated to get security updates. For the Mac, it's different. Another advantage of upgrading to an earlier version of macOS is that you will skip all the intermediate minor updates and go directly to the most stable version of that operating system. So let's take an example. Let's say that your computer is running macOS High Sierra right now, and it is compatible with both Mojave and Catalina. At the time of recording, Catalina just got released. So if you upgrade right away to the 10.15 version, what you'll need to do is also go through all the minor updates. So the 10.15.1, the 10.15.2, the 10.15.3, until fall 2020. On the other hand, if you upgrade to Mojave, you will go right away to version 10.14.6, which is the last one, and you will only need to install the latest security updates until you upgrade again the next time. So you see, it's really less painful and also less risky. So let's go through the seven steps uh, that I've laid out for a macOS update process. So step number one, we'll decide which version of macOS we want to upgrade our computer to. Second step, make screenshots of all the system preferences panes. Step number three, perform at least one backup, again, preferably two. Step number four, gather your most important passwords. Step number five, download the desired macOS installer. Step number six, initiate the update. And step number seven, finalize the update. So let's go back. Step number one is to decide on the version of macOS that you want to upgrade to. For that, you will evaluate the compatibility of the software and peripherals that you rely upon for your business. So you make a list of the potential version of macOS that you could upgrade your computer to. You then make a list of all the software and peripherals that you use on a daily or weekly basis for your business. If we're talking about software, you will visit the developer's website or a crowdsourcing site like Roaring Apps, and you will check the latest version of macOS that is compatible with the apps that you use all the time. Uh, if you plan to upgrade to Catalina or a later version of uh, macOS, then I recommend to download and run the Go64 utility which will list the 32-bit apps and libraries that are not supported by macOS anymore. So starting from 10.15, those won't run. Regarding the peripherals, uh, visit the manufacturer's page and look for drivers uh, for the exact model number of your uh, printer, for instance, or your scanner or something like that. And you will then check which versions of macOS are compatible with your apps and devices. Now, if you find that there is one version that is 100% compatible, great, you found the one to upgrade to. But if none are 100% compatible, then you will need to look for alternative applications or hardware. 
and then you will make a list of their respective costs because it will give you a, an idea of how much it will cost you to do the upgrade. Now, if your Mac is currently running a version of macOS that will still get security updates for another year, you could decide not to upgrade right away. This will give you more time to do some, some research and also this will give time to third-party app developers and uh, um, peripheral manufacturers to actually make their app and their drivers compatible with the version of macOS that you want to upgrade to. Now, if we talk specifically about macOS Catalina, uh, Adobe, uh, Adobe Photoshop and Lightroom are not compatible at launch. So we're talking about October 2019. So if you're relying on Photoshop and Lightroom, do not upgrade to Catalina. And it's also the same for DJ uh, apps that rely on uh, XML export of playlists created by iTunes. Why? Well, because iTunes is gone from Catalina and the feature of this XML export has not yet been ported to the new uh, music app. Okay, so step number two is to make screenshots of all your system preferences paints. By doing that, you will keep a record of how your Mac and user account was set up. And if there is a small glitch during the update process, you'll probably be able to correct the issue by reconfiguring system preferences properly based on the screenshots that you have done. Yes, this is quite tedious process, I recognize. Um, to go through uh, all the preference panes and you may you may never need it but if you do I'm sure you'll be glad you you have it okay step number three is to make at least one backup of your Mac preferably two uh, the most obvious one is uh, via time machine and if you haven't configured it yet now is really the perfect time to do so so you buy an external hard drive with at least twice the storage capacity of your max internal hard drive you plug it plug it in macOS will ask you if you want it to, if you want to use it for time machine backups you say yes you tick the option to encrypt the backup then you provide a password twice and the first backup will start automatically i think something like 3 minutes after that Okay, so now in addition to Time Machine, I recommend to also create a bootable clone of your computer. For that, I recommend to buy an, an external SSD drive over USB or Thunderbolt with at least the same capacity of the internal hard drive of your Mac. So why an SSD? Because it will be fast enough to actually run macOS uh, from it. Um, with a free utility called SuperDuper, you will be able to create a bootable clone. Uh, if you visit the website, you will see there is a paid version, but you only have to pay if you want to use uh, advanced uh, features like scheduling backups or doing a Delta uh, updates. But for what we need it now here, with a free version, it will it will be okay. So it will just it will make a 
a clone from your internal hard drive to the external hard drive and it will be bootable meaning that you will be able to start the computer from the external uh, hard drive meaning from your old setup in case you encounter an issue after the update to the next version or the version that you decided to, to use for macOS. And also if you absolutely need to be able to work and your internal hard drive is, is dead, you will be glad to have a bootable clone on the site. Okay, so if you're not familiar with how to use um, an external hard drive to, to boot your computer, um, you will uh, plug the hard drive, shut down the computer, and when you turn the computer on, you press the Alt key on the keyboard, just when it's booting up, and then you will see a screen with uh, your internal hard drive, which is usually called Macintosh HD, and then your external hard drive, you will see it, is, it has another icon, it will be a yellow icon. And then with the arrow keys or with the mouse, you will select the external hard drive, uh, press enter, click on it, and then it will boot from the external hard drive. Now, warning, if your computer is equipped with a T2 security chip, so we're talking about uh, the latest the 2018 models and, and upward, you will need first to make sure that it is configured to allow booting from external media. So for that you will need first to boot into the recovery partition by pressing command R after rebooting the computer. And then uh, in the utilities menu you will find a startup security utility app and there you will have to tick the appropriate box to allow actually booting from external media okay step number four it's like for ios you need to gather all your most important passwords so if you don't use a password manager the first place to look will be in the passwords tab of the safari preference pane a uh, second place to look into is the keychain access application that you can find inside the utilities folder itself inside the applications folder. At the bottom of the applications folder, you will see utilities. You double click on that, you will find keychain access. And there you will be able to search for your credentials. Okay, step number five. Now it is to download the desired macOS installer. Now, to upgrade to the latest and greatest version of macOS, it's super easy. On Mojave and later, you open System Preferences, you click on Software Update, it will tell you, I have an update. On High Sierra and earlier, you just visit the Mac App Store, and there you will look in Updates, and you will find the update. But what if you want to upgrade your computer to a version that is not the latest and greatest? And here, what you actually need is a direct link that, is, that you can find in Apple support if you do a search. Now, to help you, I've put in the show notes the, the link for Mojave 
and the link for iSierra so that uh, you just click on that link and you will find the support article otherwise you visit support.apple.com and in the search bar you will search you will enter the, the name of your the operating system you've you've chosen and then you will you will see a, um, a simple process but also a download link so when you will click on that download link it will initiate the download of the installer that you want before doing that, you may need to make some space on your computer because the installation process will need some, some storage space. So yes, you need storage space for the installer itself. So we may be talking about between five and, and eight gigabytes. But actually to do the installation, you need more space than that. For Mojave, for instance, you need to have at least 20 gigabytes of free space before uh, upgrading from Yosemite or an earlier version of that. So one way to save space is to open photos and go to the iCloud settings if you have activated iCloud photo library and do optimize Mac storage. Another way is also to go in uh, system preferences in iCloud and there make sure that it, uh, iCloud manages the storage by itself so that it can free up some space. Otherwise, you could use and install a free application called OmniDisk Sweeper. And with OmniDisk Sweeper, it will actually scan your hard drive and it will find the, the places, the folders and the files that take the most space on your computer. So you could then temporarily move that away onto an external hard drive, uh, for instance. Okay, so you have enough space. Step number six is to initiate the update. So once the installer has finished downloading, it will launch auto automatically, immediately it launches. At this point, you have two choices. Either you proceed with the installation right away, or before that, you create a bootable installer and finish the installation process afterwards. So if you only have one Mac to upgrade, then I would say proceed with the installation because once you have, you will have installed the, the, the version of macOS that you want, it will be removed automatically after the installation process. But if you have more than one Mac to update, and again, maybe you also have a limited monthly bandwidth cap from your internet service provider, then this is where the bootable installer comes into play. This is something that you create on a USB flash drive or a spare external drive with at least 12 gigabyte of available storage. So if you've got an old 16 gig USB key laying around, and without any mission critical data on it, it's really a good candidate here. Um, to be used as a bootable installer, it needs to be for formatted in HFS Plus, also known as macOS Extended, which you can do using disk utility. So then, using the terminal app, you will copy paste a specific command uh, from an article that, that uh, Apple has provided and this command will be valid 
for a specific version of the installer. So you will have a command for uh, Catalina, another one for Mojave, another one for High Sierra, and so on. I've put links in the show notes uh, available at macpronocom forward slash episode 46 with the procedure to format the USB key and also um, how to create the bootable installer using uh, the terminal uh, command. So please be aware that this process will completely erase the USB key. So back up all the files that you want to keep before running the terminal command. Once you have created the installer key, you will be able then to use it to upgrade your other computers and you won't need to download multiple times uh, the installer from the internet. Okay, so on the first computer, you just continue where you left it off, continue the process, the the installer will update some files first and when it's done, it will reboot, complete the installation process, which itself might require multiple reboots until you see the initial uh, setup steps. With the original version now of macOS Catalina, so the 10.15.0, please know that for some people the process stalled at various points uh, through (laughs) through the process. And so these people, they had to force restart the computer to get it complete the installation of Catalina. So it's It's pretty rough for the moment. Now, in the worst case scenario, if the computer is unable to boot from the internal disk, this is where the bootable clone and the time machine backup will come in handy. For the other computers, if you have your uh, installer key, you will plug the, the macOS installer USB key to the computer and you will... Uh, shut down the computer, restart using the ALT key on the keyboard and you will boot then from the USB key and there you will be able to do to perform the upgrade of the internal hard drive. Okay, so in step 7, now you need to finalize the update. You, you may think, okay, now it has rebooted, I have, uh, I have done, it's finished. No, it's not yet finished because you still have to go through the initial setup screens of the version of macOS that you just installed. And why do you need that? Well, you need to configure some options like Siri, dark mode, and maybe new features that Apple has has brought to the Mac. But then you will also need to launch all the built-in applications like mail, photos, notes, reminders and, and, and so on to see whether or not the database needs to be upgraded. And this process can take quite some time, especially if uh, you have multiple gigabytes of emails, a large uh, photos and videos uh, library to convert. Uh, so the, yeah, so this, this may take some time. And it's not finished yet because you will also need to launch all the third-party apps that you rely upon, like Dropbox, Google Drive, Microsoft Microsoft Office, the Adobe Suite, and so on. Uh, either you will need to re-authenticate yourself, so re-enter the password. Sometimes you will need to approve um, new restrictions that Apple may have put in place. Now, if we talk specifically about macOS Catalina, 
you will need to explicitly give all the apps permission to display notifications. To access the downloads folder, documents folder, to access the camera, the microphone, the contacts, and so on and so forth. So yes, Apple has strengthened the security of macOS Catalina, but really at the expense of a multitude of authorization panels that, uh, that will show up the first time, the very first time that you launch an app. This, mean, this means that if you have a lot of apps on your computer, that the first few days with Catalina will be a bit rough. And um, if you're listening to this episode right on the heels of the release of Catalina, please know that some people have lost a bunch of emails because of a bug in the mail database upgrade process. And the problem here is, is bigger than just uh, losing some emails locally. The deletion of the email propagated via the mail server onto other devices. So that meant that the Catalina, the device that was upgraded to Catalina, uh, deleted emails or corrupted emails and this propagated everywhere. Yes, so this is another example of why it is really unwise to upgrade to the latest and greatest version of macOS uh, right away. Hopefully this bug will be fixed by Apple soon so that upgrading to Catalina will be less risky in a few months or I would say by the end of 2019 or beginning of 2020. Now, um, talking more generally, you should have realized now that uh, safely updating macOS is much more elaborate than uh, what uh, one might think and it also takes more time if you want to do it uh, properly and uh, safely. So I would say that like with the iPhone and the iPad, Macpreneurs should really allocate a weekend to update their Mac in order to minimize the impact of uh, potential issues on their day-to-day -day operations. Okay, so that's it for today. I hope you found this episode useful and you have a better idea of how to safely update your, your Apple gear. As usual, all the links will be in the show notes available at macpreneur.com forward slash episode 46, where you're more than welcome to provide feedback in the comments section. I'd be super grateful if you could leave a rating or a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast, because this will really help make the show reach uh, more people. And uh, until next time, I'm Damien Schroes, wishing you a great day.